Hello fellow travellers, thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 507, recorded on Monday the 30th of October 2023 at 23.40.21. And the mic in use is a Shaw SM58. Hello again, everyone. Ah, very tired. This being the third day of podcasting in a row, and we've got two more to go. Even caffeine doesn't seem to be working properly anymore. But enough of my woes. Before I hit record tonight... I was watching the latest Mission Impossible film, and to be honest, enjoying it. But we'll talk about that on a different episode. Earlier today, we used our car for the last time. We went shopping. There's a car, if you recall, is being scrapped. It's being taken away tomorrow. A bit sad about that. When I went shopping, I bought myself a paper... Whereupon it was uh, borrowed by Dad when I came back. I forgot all about it. I just got my hands on the paper finally after God knows how many hours. About 12 hours. (laughs) I had a brief look at it only a few minutes ago. There's quite a lot going on. Trouble in the Middle East. Yeah, just saying trouble in the Middle East is a cliche. There's always trouble in the Middle East, but the latest trouble in the Middle East. And the headline article in the iPaper today was Starmer hit by growing party rebellion over Israel as Gaza battle rages, because apparently quite a few of his MPs are calling for a ceasefire. Uh, quite sure why a ceasefire is a controversial subject, but there you are. But I'm not really here to talk about that tonight. Although there is another piece of news that did catch my eye, and this is far lighter in tone. So let's end with that piece of soft news There's a photo of two people with dogs, dressed as steampunks. So this little article doesn't entirely connect with the picture. It's just a little paragraph that's talking about people attending the Whitby Goth Weekend. It's something I thought of doing for ages, but I'm not a goth, and... Not really. I'm <laughs> probably a little too grim to be one. <laughs> and it's a big social thing, so I don't know. I don't know. I've had my fill of social things lately. Ah, just put that newspaper aside now and chat to you. Okay, today. I should start by saying happy 
Halloween Eve. My friends from Castle Royenstein. This is a new revisit series that I'm doing, a shorter series than our continuing classic Doctor Who. So let's start off with a revisit journal and I'll slowly tell you what I'm going to be doing. Because I've been talking about this for quite a while. Uh, you must be curious, although <laughs> you're not really curious because you're seeing the podcast that I've already taped sometime in the future and you'll be able to tell what this revisit is about from the title. So I don't know if I'm wasting my time. i better get to it anyway. Enough waffle. This is not, of course, our continuing, everlasting, never-ending, unto the end of time itself. Classic Doctor Who revisit. So help me, gods and demons, but something entirely new. For the longest time, I promised a Blake 7 revisit. This is not it. <laughs> because there are so many other podcasts at the moment doing exactly that. So instead, I'm going to delve into something decidedly different. For this is the inaugural episode of my new revisit of... You feel the tension building there. Hammer House of Horror. Yes, I'm going to be tackling the iconic 1980 British horror anthology series. Uh, I just forgot to mute my computer. One second. Okay. After so much who, it is about time that we did something more adult and Nasty, although still tasty. And this 13-part series is what I've decided to do. Hammer House of Horror, the series, was produced by Hammer Films, Cinema Arts and ITC Entertainment, and was originally broadcast on ITV in the UK from September to December 1980. This show is everything that Hammer is good at. Mild titillation. Blood spatter. All of which is garnished with trashy 80s zeitgeist. I have fleeting and admittedly possibly inaccurate memories of watching this on my little black and white Hitachi portable TV on repeat. Memories of that, if they are memories, stayed with me as something that I recall enjoying. And also the brevity of this series is extremely appealing. By that I mean at least I have a chance of revisiting all episodes quickly and maintaining an enthusiastic momentum. What I mean by that is I probably won't get bored or tired doing this revisit, and hopefully nor will you. If you want to follow along, the DVD is widely and cheaply available, and it can also be streamed free on ITVX in the UK. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff on ITVX, 
vintage stuff that you would enjoy, and this is one of those things. As with uh, Doctor Who revisits, expect a concise revisit. So it should be a fun and not quite bite-sized, but manageable revisit. So, before we start, as my mother is apt to say, enjoy, enjoy. Today's Hammer House of Horror story that we're revisiting is the first one, as we'll be doing it in chronological order. Again, like Doctor Who, and that has the title Witching Time. Why not Witching Hour, you may ask? Well, time, as in Doctor Who, is an important factor in this. Time travel, in fact. How incredibly appropriate that we're doing that as the first episode. Right, Hammer House of Horror, Witching Time from 1980. Let's start off with the notes. Yes, and the format of these revisits will be much the same as the format of the revisits of classic Doctor Who. Regarding the cast, Witching Time stars John Finch. Some amazing facts about John Finch. This chap who you wouldn't think had it in him, looking at him, was an ex-parachute regiment soldier and an SAS action man. He was a fairly prolific actor. As far as I'm concerned, he notably starred as Michael Moorcock's Jerry Cornelius in the final program from 1973, a film that is somewhat unfairly disowned by the author, Michael Moorcock. I actually like that film. There's also Patricia Quinn, another prolific actress, notably Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975, and a sorceress in Hawk the Slayer from 1980, which at some point we have to talk about. I'm guessing, considering that she plays a witch in 1980 in Witching Time, and then a sorceress in Hawk the Slayer also in 1980, perhaps one is off the back of the other. The incredibly attractive Prunella G is also in this, and Ian McCulloch, Leonard Pierce, and Margaret Anderson. The director was Don Lever, of interest to us, as he also directed The Avengers. The writer was Anthony Reed. I might as well put prolific in everyone's mini-bios here, because they're all prolific, and Anthony Reed was a prolific writer and producer. For example, again, things that I'm interested in. He was involved in Sapphire and Steel, and Chocky, and other things. The producer was Roy Skeggs, an ex-Hammer Films chap, who formed a spin-off of Hammer called Cinema Arts, and then returned to Hammer Films, moved the production to Buckinghamshire, and created Hammer House of Horror. 
As for locations, these stories were filmed in various locations in Buckinghamshire in 1980. Regarding broadcast, episode 1 was first broadcast on the 13th of September 1980. Let's talk Zeitgeist. And what happened on the 13th of September 1980? Well, I didn't dig too deep into this because I found an interesting fact that really appealed to me. The number one song in the UK was Scottish singers Kelly Marie's poppy, disco-tastic and very camp rendition of Feels Like I'm In Love. It was a song originally written for Elvis Presley and Mungo Jerry was involved in the writing. The main thing is, it is brilliant. It is a brilliant piece of poppy disco. And I really love that song. And every time I hear it, I don't know, just makes me bop around. Really, if you are going to look up any of the songs or things that I mention during these revisits... Definitely check out Kelly Marie's Feels Like I'm In Love. It is absolutely brilliant. Okay, as usual, I will play a clip of no more than 15 seconds, and then I'll walk you through the story. Rolling clip in 3, 2, 1... I hope you enjoyed that clip. Let me tell you what happens in Hammer House of Horror, Episode 1, Witching Time. A middle-class media couple experience domestic strife on a dark and stormy night as Hubby, a film composer... Two gold albums, Hang On The Studio Wall, works hard on his latest project, a horror film starring Wifey, who is an actress currently away on location, but really boinking the hunky local doc. An understandably stressed David, the husband, played by John Finch, discovers a hot 17th-century witch hiding out in the stables, having somehow time-jumped to the present day, escaping her fiery execution in the past. To her, the modern world, with its blinding electric lights, hissing showers and gurgling flushing toilet, which is very funny, is initially terrifying to her as a time traveller from the past. So the considerate David, thinking she's a random nutter, settles her into what she says is her old room at the farmhouse, then locks her in. The same bit on the side, Doc, who's bonking poor David's spouse, disbelieves his story, 
and treats him for stress. Things take a darker and more erotic and sinister turn as Lucinda the witch gets witchy and horny and bangs the living daylights out of David. You know, I have to stop saying poor David. Did I say poor David? Yeah, I did. Why am I sympathising with this guy? Lucky bastard. Later, his unfaithful wife returns to minister to him. She eventually begins to believe in Lucinda's existence when she becomes a victim of Lucinda's malevolence. A local priest confirms Lucinda's strange story and the wife finds the doll that was used to harm her. Bewitched by Lucinda, David imprisons his wife and constructs a stake at which he is going to burn her. His wife escapes, turns the tables on David and imprisons him. She then struggles with Lucinda, the stables catch on fire, and the wife wins by dousing Lucinda in water, then drowning her. We hear Lucinda screaming when David throws the doll into the fire. And that is it for Witching Time. Now, let me tell you what I thought. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, right. Well, the 80s. <laughs> what more can I say? Loose women and controlling men having it off left, right and centre and twice on Sundays. I seem to remember John Finch has a god-awful semi-mullet in this short film. It's a little difficult to be critical of that. Too critical, anyway. So I decided to let it go because in the 80s, if you were a male whose age spans the 1980s, there was a point, even a short, temporary time, when you had a mullet. I had a mullet. It was terrible. I didn't have my mullet for very long, but it was really, really awful. We all had them. <laughs> what the hell was wrong with us? Okay. Let's talk about the real star of this. It isn't John Finch, it isn't Prunella G, as attractive a couple as they are, it is the witch Lucinda, played by Patricia Quinn. She chews the scenery as the fantastically batty Lucinda Jessup. Lucinda Jessup, the witch, is wild, sexy, malevolent, naked, but for her witchy black gown, and cackles like a mad person. She makes everyone else look humdrum, which is the point. Though the Blands, as I'm going to call John Finch and Prunella G, win in the end, and Wifey and Hubby unite in the face of the interloper, and everything is bloody well back in its proper place again. Rudyard Kipling would love an ending like that. Bloody Middle England. Oh. You know what? 
I shouldn't be saying poor David, I should be saying poor Lucinda. She didn't deserve such a horrible death. David, on the other hand, is a complete imbecile. He shacked up with the wrong woman in the end. Oh, what is wrong with him? Lucinda's just better, and she's supernatural and occultish and powerful, whereas his wife doesn't even like him and hops into bed with a doctor. And she's a horsey woman. She rides a horse. Oh, not that that should be something that <laughs> makes people scorn you, but I just brought that up for no other reason than probably class prejudice. <laughs> the occult aspect seems a claptrap mixture of made-up semi-magical-looking nonsense, though I'm sure it's probably well-researched, and they probably bent things to fit into the script to make it more dramatic. That's as far as the occult goes. The horror, though, is very well done, and there's a particularly nasty and horrific scene in which a crow or a raven is hacked to pieces. Please tell me that was a prop. Oh, let's talk about the double standards of the 80s. Okay, so real boobs and bums are okay, but... And this really made me laugh. Even the hoodoo doll is wearing knickers to hide her genitalia. (laughs) If you want to hear something about weird 80s double standards... so stupid. It's a bloody doll. <laughs> it's got knickers on. <laughs> nose laugh. Nose laughed. Witching time passed the nose laugh test. <laughs> Stop laughing now. <laughs> oh, okay. In conclusion... Nonsense occult and 80s hypocrisy aside, this star-studded horror short is nonetheless delightful with its trashy sex and over-the-top gore and violence. Patricia Quinn, we salute you. (sighs) Okay. Since this is a short series... There are things that are going to be the same in every episode that I won't have to repeat. Like filming location, it's always going to be somewhere in Buckinghamshire. The theme music will always be the same. In the trivia section, that's all I wanted to say about the theme music. It is very memorable and earwormy. The theme music was composed by Roger Webb who was an ex-jazz pianist. You'll love that theme music. It'll take you right back to the 80s, if you can remember that far back. (laughs) Yeah, I hope some of you do end up watching this, and maybe you can tell me what you thought of it, and can continue following me through the series as I talk about each episode. Quite appropriately, there are 
13 episodes. Oh, nice touch. Nice touch, Roy Skeggs. In the off-topic section today, well, nothing really, there's nothing. I already talked about the paper a bit at the top of the show. As for the after-show, well, happy Halloween, and I hoped you liked this revisit. Oh, God, it is about time I did a revisit about something else apart from classic Doctor Who, and this is it. I quite enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed it too. And if you did enjoy it, there's more to come. So stick with me. Okay, that's it. I'm going to enjoy the rest of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'm only halfway through. Say what you want about Mission Impossible, but the running time definitely gives you value for money. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelled M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show. Yes, I know. The UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast episode 507 taped on Monday the 30th of October 2023 but ending on Tuesday the 31st of October 2023. Happy Halloween! And the time at the end of the show is 001449. Until the next episode, which will be sometime later today, thanks as always for listening, and bye bye for now. Bye! Just a little addendum from yesterday's i-newspaper. It says on the front cover that friend star Matthew Perry died. Matthew Perry played Chandler Bing, the compiler of the Weenus. (laughs) If you remember that in Friends, was it the Weenus? That strange financial report? But anyway... R.I.P. Matthew Perry. And funny, we were talking about friends on Halloween Eve Eve. (laughs) That's where that phrase came from, adding Eve Eve to things. Uh, It was used for Christmas Eve Eve. Ah, okay. Bye. Bing. Bing.